Hi, this is Diva Cerebration, back for another podcast. Yay! <laughs> and today it's um, going to be on uh, something that's coming up a lot, I think, on uh, in the in society and social media is I've taken more of a focus on diamond diamond mining and gem mining at all, mining at all. You know, what is the purpose of it all? Do we really need to be mining so much? That sort of thing. And um, I read a few articles. I've done a little bit of research. Uh, What brought me to this? Well, I have a few birthdays this month, and therefore women of women friends, family members who are uh, coming up on some birthdays. And I thought, well, usually the best gift for me to give somebody um, who is, uh, you know, what people are going to like, basically, is to give um, a birthstone or some sort of jewelry that's a birthstone. And or it doesn't even have to be a real birthstone sometimes. Some people are, you know, if it's pretty enough, you can you can usually go with a simulated birthstone or a simulated diamond or something of that level. You know, it, it just has to be a really cool uh, gift or something that's made of silver rather than of gold, and, you know, etc. And I started looking for different types of gems that weren't as expensive because, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and money's a little tight. So I decided to start trying to see, are there, as far as the way the gems look, as far as the price goes, what are the really huge differences in, you know, synthetic lab-created type of gems versus, um, you know, mined gems, which I would rather not buy mined gems because, as you know, uh, it's created the blood diamond industry where, you know, they, they basically use children to go down and bring diamonds out and they send them down naked in Africa. And, you know, I want everybody to remember that De Beers, an American company, I think, pretty much an American company, owns 90% of the diamond mines in the world. Back in the 1930s or 40s, I can't remember if it was then or if it was even before then. It might have been back in the early 1900s, late 1800s. De Beers family bought out all the diamond mines. And now the 10% that have grown out of, you know, since then are owned by other people. Well, that came after they bought up all the diamond mines. And basically what De Beers did is they did that because in the 19... I think they said in the 1890s, uh, wealthy women at that time... It used to be rubies and sapphires were the most popular gems at that time. But wealthy women at that time started wearing more diamonds out. And it made diamonds the gem to wear. And that's when diamonds started rising in price, right? Just because they were the more preferred gem over all the other gems, right? Because, you know, diamonds are pretty. But um, diamonds did not cost what they cost now, back then. And we're not talking about, you know, rubies and gems were, uh, you know, $5 and diamonds were 7 No. Or, or, or 
yeah, that's what we're talking about. We're, 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 you know, now we're talking about huge differences between rubies, diamonds, emeralds, sapphires, etc. Back then, it wasn't that huge of a difference. Like, yeah, they charged more. You know, of course, marketing has always been marketing, and they market things to people to get more money out of them. And if so and so makes it, or if it's this brand over that brand, even though pretty much they're all the same thing. It's just like saying Wrangler jeans and Levi jeans are that really that different. They're not. They're jeans, people. <laughs> they're really not that different. And I've never been really into the name brand kind of thing. I look at the quality of a garment. I look at the quality of a shoe. I look at the quality of jewelry. And you can tell the difference. It doesn't really matter what the name is. It's that actual item. What's the quality of it, right? So as time went on, I guess in the 1940s or 50s, the Beers had an ad campaign that this brilliant ad manager guy at one of the uh, New York ad agencies brought up diamonds are forever, right? And De Beers really pushed to have the diamond be the main thing. And, and, and they also pushed, you know, that it would be an engagement ring kind of thing that everyone should give, right? And then that's when diamond prices just started to soar. Everybody wanted a diamond because this ad campaign was so convincing to the the popular uh, audiences in America, the wealthy that, and they, and they, you know, of course gave diamonds and things to the wealthy people so that people who were of lower classes would think that that was the thing to wear, et cetera. You know, just like they do nowadays, they give brand, different brands will bring on famous people to support their brand because then everybody wants to buy it. If LeBron James is, you know, supporting a, Jim Sue, then everybody wants to buy it, right? So uh, they did the same thing back then with diamonds, right? And that was really one of the first huge successful ad campaigns to convince people to buy something that was only worth, I would say most stuff in, in America, even today, but back then this was happening, are, is marked up, you know, three to 4,000% than what they actually cost the actual company to buy. So you go out to a Walmart even or a Target or anywhere and you're probably paying three to four thousand percent more. That's just the markup. It's not a 10% markup. It's a three to four thousand percent markup, maybe more, maybe a little less, that you're paying from what they paid to even get it into the store from what they paid for it and what they paid to ship it to that store. You're paying that. That's why retail stores, online stores are so successful because they're making bank. That's why Amazon, that's why Jeff Bezos and his ex-wife and all the people that are like in the trillion dollar air. They are trillionaires now because all of us are stupid enough to listen to the ad campaigns of all these places and pay way too much for the stuff that we get. That's why America is in such a place that it is in right now with homelessness and people living in their cars and hardly any jobs because we're buying everything from overseas really cheap and they're bringing it back here and selling it to us 
for really high. So Americans are losing all their money to the rest of the world. Well, not to the rest of the world. They're losing it to other Americans who are marking things up three to four thousand percent. But we're basically paying the rest of the world to make all this stuff that gets sold here. You wonder why there's no jobs? Because everything's, you know, made everywhere else. Not here. Right. And basically, if it was made here, it would still be the same price that they're selling it for when they buy it from somewhere else. Because they can. Because Americans are so tunnel vision that they can't see <laughs> when they're being taken advantage of. Everybody's like watches a commercial or they listen to the, the person who they think is a popular sports star or the music star or whatever. I mean, there are guitars that are made for a lot cheaper than what they're sold for over here. And they're the same guitars. And people have a very hard time believing that they're the same guitar because it's so much cheaper coming from another country than it's being sold for in America. That's why people, that's why, because they're buying it from overseas manufacturers bringing it to America, marking it up 4,000% and selling you that guitar for a major profit. And they're getting rich. You know, why do you think all these company owners have mansions and, you know, they, 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 they all they're thinking is stupid Americans are buying all this stuff from us and they're Americans too, but they're just like, everybody's dumb. And I think that that's why you have so many corporate heads and corporation heads that they don't want you to figure that out. They don't want to pay their employees more on the hour, you know, because then, you know, then people will know that they've got the money to do it. And then people will think, well, wait a minute, how do you have that money to do it? And then they'll start investigating and find out that they're all a bunch of frauds, right? <laughs> Just like actors who are afraid that people are going to figure them out basically figure out that they're getting paid these exuberant um, salaries for just not even really acting, not even really being that great, great of an actor. Whenever I hear an actor say that, that they're afraid they're going to get found out, it's because they know that they're not as good as they should be. I've never heard those words come out of an actor or actress, whatever you want to call, that knows that they're good at their craft. They're not afraid of being found out because they're good at what they do. But I think what most actors, musicians, everybody's afraid of is that people will go, wait a minute, why are we giving them all of our money? You know, what they're doing isn't like changing the world or anything. They're not a doctor, you know, who saves somebody's life. They sing a song and that's great. But really, should I be throwing that kind of money at them? Which is kind of cool that 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 is kind of... um that kind of thinking is starting to come up because now artists who would have never gotten noticed before would have never gotten uh, support from a big label, music label or a movie studio or whatever, even art, artists like painters and drawers who would have never gotten noticed before are because of social media, because of the internet, which by the way, was meant to be free for everyone. It was not supposed to be us paying for it. It was supposed to be a medium that was free, but because the original person who, uh, the re original people who originated it didn't get that sort of patent on it, every, it's been taken over, right? So 
basically what you're paying um, AT&T and other places for is the equipment that they have to broadcast to, to magnify the Wi-Fi signal to you. That's what you're really paying for. And then they're making, again, crazy amounts of money for just buying the equipment that magnifies that Wi-Fi for you. I think I saw on CBS this morning... A small town, a, a small company in New York City, they were trying to figure out how they could have their own Wi-Fi because they were having a hard time in this one uh, area of New York City getting Wi-Fi and because probably the company was turning it down because they wanted to charge them more money to, oh, if you, if you pay this higher plan, you get better Wi-Fi. And what they did is they went out and they bought their own equipment and they have their own Wi-Fi equipment that magnifies the Wi-Fi and their, their payment for Wi-Fi is much lower. Just think if we all did that, but they had to get the money together to pay for that equipment. Just think if each neighborhood across the, the, um, the country or even around the world would just buy that equipment and have it put in their neighborhood and everyone paid for the equipment, you know, paid into the equipment, had ownership of that equipment, but it would provide internet to the to all them and it would be free from from that point on now i do know that these guys who bought the equipment they still charge for it which it's paying off the equipment but it's a lot lower than you would have to pay another wi-fi um company i think it was like five or ten dollars a month they were getting they're still getting paid they're still making money but they're just not charging the three to five thousand uh percent markup that everybody else does in this country. So my point being long route to get there is that's what they did with diamonds. And it all started with this De Beers diamond campaign. A diamond is forever and it should be your engagement ring. And they really pushed that idea in the 1940s and fifties. And that is when diamonds soared in price, right? But recently with environmental issues, climate change, global warming, seeing that what mining does to the environment, which I was reading a few articles uh, I'm trying to find here. Uh, okay. The environmental damage from diamond, diamond mining. And it's not just diamond mining. You have to remember these are, they're mining. When they mine for diamonds, they also find other gems when they're down there. So, you know, they might find rubies, they might find sapphires, etc. And a lot of the diamond mines were in uh, Africa. And I, I have to research that. I'm not really sure why, but Africa was big on diamond mines. Maybe because it was one of the places where we haven't, hadn't populated as much and it was left alone. Well, now they're trashing it. And that's why you have all these uh, intertribal wars in Africa, intercountry wars between diamonds, gems, oil, and whatever uh, resources they have in Africa. All these tribes are saying it's their land, it's their gems, it's their oil, it's their resources, and fighting over the money that's being made out of that those resources. Humans, no matter where you go, humans are the same, whether it's here, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in Africa, India, you know, we're all, everyone's the same. It doesn't matter what color of skin you have. We're all humans anyway, and react the same way. So anyway, uh, environmental damage from diamond mining goes further than simply its carbon emissions. I'm reading from an article I found. Diamond mining has been linked to pollution of water sources used 
by local people due to acid mine drainage. This occurs when minerals from the mined rocks seep into the water supply. And typically these mines are out in the middle of nowhere, right? And it's indigenous people who live there most of the time, right? The University of Waterloo in Canada, which I actually, I think I saw a 60-minute story about um, a lake that they literally, they didn't drain it. They somehow put something down into the lake, pushed it open to keep the water from overflowing so that they could go down into the lake and mine the diamonds. Well, does that really matter? You're still going to have ash it wash off from when you're washing those diamonds or rinsing to when you're drilling, you're still going to have, it's still going to get in the water supply. Um, but I think what they were trying to do there with putting just like a, a thing down into the lake and pushing the water to the side, which of course overflows it into areas that it shouldn't be going into, right? That it's not part of the lake. So that also affects wildlife who lived on the edge of that lake. Um, but they were trying to save the fish because De Beers apparently has drained lakes and killed, you know, 20,000 different fish in a lake and, 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 and sent some fish into extinction because they just killed them all so that they could drain a lake and mine for diamonds. The greed is beyond belief. What do they say? Power corrupts, but ultimate power corrupts uh, completely. I think there was a, uh, a writer or a gentleman who said that back 80 years ago or more. Um, I have to look that one up. I can't remember the quote. Okay. So I saw this special that they were showing how they mine these diamonds and they're trying to say that they're doing it more ethically. Well, you're not. If you are mining at all, it is not ethical. It is going to affect the environment. You are going to have drainage come off of that mine, no matter how. I mean, they use water from the lake to uh, cool the drills and everything and cool whatever they do to get down into there. And they're really, they're trashing it. And even if they let the water come back down into that mine after they're done with it, that's not what nature intended the water's not supposed to be going down into that, all of that, you know, the hole that you created in the earth to mine diamonds. And you've taken stuff out of the earth that was meant to stay there. So the balance of that area, the balance of that piece of land, the balance of that lake is forever affected. You can't change that, right? All right. The University of Waterloo, Canada describes it as one of the mining industry's top environmental liabilities. Although asset mine drainage is not exclusively a problem for the diamond industry, it occurs at many metal and coal mines. Another reason that we should stop coal mining and we should try to figure out other ways to deal with metal. Recycling would be a good thing, right? We have tons of metal that gets used and thrown in the garbage all the time. Recycle that. Researchers at the University of Waterloo have been working with the, is it Diavik Diamond Gem Mine and Canada's Northwest Territory, which that might be the one that I saw on the 60-minute report. Territories to reduce this pollution from waste rock. And like I said, no matter what they do, they've still, they've, they've still ruined that lake. Anyway, mining has also caused destruction of habitats in Canada, and beyond. 
2016, the Wall Street Journal, Journal reported that De Beers had killed, there it is, over 18,000 fish draining a Canadian lake for diamond mining. Oh, my gosh. This is, you know, this is what you're going out and spending thousands of dollars on a diamond is affecting. All right. Mining has also caused the destruction. Okay. Uh, Draining. Okay. In India, diamond mines have been blamed for placing highly endangered tiger populations under further pressure. I mean, if they're not already going extinct, we're going to push them even further for diamonds for a piece of glass that you put on your finger that way back in the 1800s didn't even cost $5 probably. Now that, you know, you can buy a diamond and it costs twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. That's crazy. And that's not even a small portion of, you know, that you, when you pay that, you're never going to get that back for that diamond, I don't think. You know, if, if I've been reading articles and they say sometimes people pay way more for the diamonds than they should. And then as time goes on, the attitude towards gems changes, which it's changing now. And so the diamond values go down. So De Beers is right now fighting to keep that from happening because then that means their stock goes down as well, right? And people who are invested in them aren't real happy about that, right? Okay. So while ne neither lab diamond or mine diamond industries are perfect, the wider environmental price from the latter, uh, mine diamonds, can be higher. Indeed, the former Tiffany chief executive, Tiffany, you know Tiffany, Michael Kowalski, wrote in 2015 New York Times, few industries in the world have a larger environmental and social footprint than mining. And flawed origins, uh, indeed, the environmental and humanitarian harms from diamond mining are closely intertwined. Some diamonds mines employ miners on low wages, which I was talking about how they basically have slave labor with children that they send down into the, the African diamond mines naked because they don't want them to steal diamonds. And then when they come out, they will check their orifices up their, their anal canal and other canals because they're afraid they're going to shove a diamond up there and steal it. Like that's what they should be getting is diamonds for what you're putting them through. Gemma Netley. Um, some diamond mines employ miners on low wages and unsafe conditions. Surprise. It's been going on for years, right? Even diamonds extracted in accordance with the Kimberley process established in the early 2000s to reduce the trade in conflict diamonds, which that would be the blood diamonds, the blood diamond movie that you watched where people would, you know, tribes were and people in Africa were killing each other for diamonds because they're just, they can make so much money from them. Right. All right. Um, in the early 2000s, reduced trade in conflict diamonds uh, can have obscured origins. A source in the conflict resources team at the non-governmental organization Global Witness, who wishes not to be named to protect their identity, says that there are many holes in the process. The definition of a conflict diamond, as the Kimberly process sees it, is a diamond which is funding an armed group which is trying to unseat a legitimate government. So they're not even protecting the people unless it's used to be uh, funding to unseat a government. I mean, if, oh, okay, so it's okay for people to kill each other 
just to get a diamond, not because they're unseating a government. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. Over the years, the links between mine diamonds and human rights abuses have evolved far beyond that definition. The Kimberly process has failed to keep up. Uh, the example of a huge discovery of diamonds in Zimbabwe in the mid-2000s that led to the deaths of hundreds of civilian members. The diamonds found here were traded in Antwerp and Dubai, which Antwerp is like this, you know, if uh, diamonds get cut there and it's, it's like a, you're supposed to be a really good diamond if it's cut in Antwerp, right? Circulating freely on the international market, these diamonds were according to the Global Witness Report. Because most people, and I think De Beers shows this more than anyone, who bought 90% of the diamond mines and all that time, all that time from, what, the 1800s, late 1800s to now, all those human rights violations have been happening. And they did nothing about it. De Beers did. So everyone who owns a diamond, you, you paid towards human rights violations. Is what you're doing. You're paying thousands of dollars for someone to be killed, abused, used as a slave. I mean, ah! So, uh, uh, and Zimbabwe, and then yeah, there's thousands of deaths, diamonds here, yeah. And let's see, further down the supply chain, things get murkier still, as once a stone is cut and polished, it is no longer traced to the Kimberly process. So they can't tell where it came from, I guess. Diamonds pass through multiple trading hubs on their journey from mine to shop and often end up mixed with diamonds from other countries of export. The result is that even among diamonds with Kimberly Process certification, many companies cannot trace the diamonds they use back to their country of origin. So it's really hard for you to know whether you're buying a blood diamond or not, or a diamond that is linked back to slavery or... right. Well, I don't think it's probably hard. I think they want it to be hard because they, they, they don't want these diamonds to be linked back because they know that people wouldn't buy them knowing that, that they were part of human rights violations. So, yeah, right. They can't be linked back. Whatever. You know, geologists can take a, take a, a piece of dirt and figure out where it came from. They can take a, a rock and figure out where in the earth it came from. But we can't figure out where the diamonds come from. Whatever. They've got the minerals and whatever in them that from around those areas, we know where they come from, right? So that's a bunch of lies. Uh, a 2018 report from Human Rights Watch, which investigated major jewelers, including uh, Buglari, Pandora, Cartier, and Tiffany, said that none of the companies can identify all their diamonds, individual mines of origin, which, you know, I don't believe. But there's also concern for the demand for the lab diamonds. Now, that's where I started researching because I was looking on uh, line for all of these diamonds and lab diamonds uh, to see if, you know, if I could find something as pretty or as nice. And uh, uh, but the concern is that if people start producing lab diamonds, it could take away jobs from resource rich developing countries. So they're concerned that if the, the lab diamonds become popular, then places like Africa or India are going to lose money that supports a certain area, that supports a whole population, whether it's, you know, 
not right or, 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 or inhumane or so that's what they're saying is that they have concern for that. But really diamonds are overpriced. Gems are overpriced to begin with. And that's why there's such a fight. Same thing as the fight for oil, you know, uh, in different countries. If we switch to solar, if we switch to wind power, you know, that's going to take a big cut into coal, into oil. Those markets won't exist anymore. But here's the positive. Those markets may not exist anymore, but we will have renewable energy that is tons cheaper, sometimes free, and more people will benefit from it. And there will be less, there will be a smaller divide in poverty to wealthy people. And we'll all become more equal. Well, why don't people want that to happen? Life would be easier if we didn't have to worry about, you know, paying the bills and everything. Well, because companies and corporations want to keep people on the grind all the time so that they keep working for them so that they can become more rich and, and more powerful. These company leaders, that's what it's all about, right? Or country leaders. And they don't care what happens to, you know, uh, it's sort of like India has a view of people being either, you know, the untouchables. They actually think there are human beings on this planet that aren't worth anything. The untouchables. That that's awful. Because everyone is equal. I don't care what any religion has taught you. I don't care what any socioeconomic um, standing that you grew up in has taught you. Everyone is equal. And if we try to take these ideas that have been drilled into everybody's head and switch them around, maybe we can have a more, I'm not saying we'll live in a utopia, but we'll have a more equal planet and more equal world. And we will talk about lab-created diamonds in my next podcast. But this was just the start of the podcast to talk about diamonds and how they're affecting our environment. Lab diamonds in the next podcast. This is Diva Cerebration.